Welcome to the Good Christian Girls Podcast. These are conversations about growing up in the evangelical cult bubble in the 90s and early 2000s. We were the kids eating snacks on the floor at our parents' feet at Newsboys concerts. We were the girls dressing up like princesses for purity balls. And we were taught that the phrase, millions of years ago, was from the mouth of Satan himself. Our mothers cried when we wore spaghetti straps to the mall. We went to church camps, on mission trips, and today, we're all in therapy for religious trauma. (laughs) I mean, really though, some of it was good and some of it was really very damaging. I'm Laura, your host. If you can relate to any of this, join me and have a listen. In this podcast, we bond over the way we were raised and share our journeys of leaving that world behind and seeking to become emotionally healthy, conscious, and thriving adults. So glad you're here. We are recording. Awesome. Well, today I have with me a Dr. Amanda Breeze, who is a dear friend of mine, used to live here um, in my little town, mountain town with me, and has recently moved to the Midwest, and I miss her so much. I have Dr. Amanda Breeze. Uh, Amanda is a pastoral counseling doctoral graduate from Liberty University. Last summer, she conducted a research study on the issue of Christian yoga, meditation, and Reiki for healing trauma. She has a degree in Bible alongside a myriad of alternative medicine certifications. She's grown a small healing ministry dedicated to Christian complementary therapies since 2013. She's been practicing yoga and Reiki as an evangelical since 1998. Um, We'll get into how people can find you and more about your ministry at the end, Amanda, but welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Um, I have come to you as a client. We've done a session together months ago, which was just very inspiring, really eye-opening for me. And I just find your work so fascinating. The content you've been putting on social media recently, it's so interesting. It's nothing I've ever seen before. So why don't you start by just kind of introducing yourself maybe a little bit about your area of study, area of specialty, and then um, let us know like what your ministry is all about. Sure, absolutely. So my ministry and story is is really about my personal journey of growing up as someone who struggled with developmental trauma. And I was able to use complementary therapies, so things like yoga, Reiki, herbs, in conjunction with my faith, to find healing. And that propelled me along a 12-year journey of continuing to figure this this stuff out because I received a lot of resistance from Christians over the years. Not just some general concern, but vehement, adamant, this stuff is Hindu, it's Buddhist, it is essentially incompatible with sound faith. And so I really wanted to get to the bottom of this argument. And so that's why I continued this academic route of of studying the topic. And that is my area of expertise. My specialty specifically is Christian meditation for healing trauma. So nowadays in the research, what we're finding is that most of these modalities that use things like meditation, yoga therapy, in psychotherapy specifically, 
are Eastern adapted practices rooted in Buddhism and Hinduism. And there's a very small amount of research on Christian sensitive practices. And yet Christians have been adapting meditation for thousands of years as well. And the Desert Fathers were sort of the original adapters of meditation. And so that's what I got to the bottom of in the study was what exactly is the mechanism of action that is propelling healing? And is that compatible with Christian faith or not, regardless of the origins debate of whether these practices are decidedly Christian or not? Okay, so this is what you studied. You you worked on a huge doctoral thesis on this, correct? Correct. And, yep. A dissertation. Yeah. Dissertation. And you're also, you've also now built a ministry. You already had a ministry that was um, like offering these types of healing methods to clients. How has your ministry changed since getting your doctorate? And like, where is it going in the future? So my ministry has changed mainly in my confidence levels that originally I was pretty okay with sort of staying on the outskirts of doing my own thing as a Christian yoga teacher and Christian Reiki practitioner. And now as I've come full circle with my faith and come back to the center of like, yes, I I really do want to focus on ministry more so to Christians now and other Christians who are interested in specifically using healing ministry in their churches, whether they're on staff or maybe they're they're just a Christian who's a part of a congregation who's really passionate about this stuff but has a lot of questions or they've received feedback that Christians can't do this stuff. It's switched more so from my practitioner journey over the years to trying to help other folks who are having the same resistance or accusations that what they're up to is heresy. And the research has the ability to overcome these gatekeepers, these well-meaning people who I've been encountering on social media, I've been encountering my whole life, who are trying to look out for the flock. They're like the hall monitors for the pastor who want to make sure that everything is sound when it comes to theology. And so what the research does I know if you- and what my study did was it appealed to 35 studies on the topic of either Christian yoga or Christian meditation, Christian Reiki. And now what the study was seeking to do was try to seek the researcher's perspective on the issue instead of the people who have been essentially heresy hunting. And these are often fundamentalists who also believe that Christians can never remarry, that there's no... There's no room for anything, herbalism, homeopathy. They're they're very certain that anything new age is demonic and that what's doing the healing is demons. And so that's what my study wanted to get to the bottom of was the mechanism of action that underlied all these seemingly unrelated practices such as Reiki or yoga was meditation. Essentially, they are using meditation to catalyze healing through the manipulation of subtle energy, which is neither Christian or non-Christian. And so meditation, being at the heart of the issue, is the the property of the intellect the intellectual property of the public domain. So it can be Buddhist adapted, it can be Hindu adapted, 
it can also be Christian adapted. And so that's what my study helped me gain confidence with and where things are changing and where they're going now was, okay, with this information available to pastors and Christians, where from here in this Christian yoga debate? Mm-hmm. Well, so Amanda, you mentioned meditation a few times. Isn't meditation in the Bible? Like in the Psalms, isn't it encouraged like to meditate on his word, to meditate on scripture? Am I wrong or is that actual word in the Bible? You are correct. And the, the Hebrew ruach is the term used there. It's in Joshua. It's in the Psalms. It's listed a few other places. And I actually do have a chart that I made as part of the study that went through all of the places that the word meditation is used in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And what the fundamentalists claim is that that word means reading the Bible. And what the research is saying is that there is absolutely a difference between contemplatively reading the Bible and meditation and what meditation can do to the brain. And that's what contemplative neuroscience is, is understanding how this change in brainwave rewires not only our relationship with one another, but it also heals our relationship and attachment to God. And so that's very different than petitionary prayer or reading the Bible, which are also important. Mm -hmm. And for Christians who are concerned, there's been a lot of progress, especially nowadays, in interest in, in finding things like the Jesus prayer or centering prayer as alternatives for those who are concerned with Christian yoga or Reiki. Okay, we're back. Had a little background noise we had to take care of. So, um, so yes, we were talking about meditation is in the Bible. It's so strange to me that people would get all up in arms about something like that, but um, I'm not surprised. So I, I feel like yoga has slowly become more accepted by mainstream Christianity as like a form of exercise. But I definitely remember when I was in high school and yoga kind of, I first started hearing the word yoga and um, it was gaining popularity. My household and like my church environment definitely saw it as demonic. And you were saying that earlier that a lot of uh, fundamental fundamentalist Christians and um, even mainstream Christians see all new age practices as demonic, which is like very extreme. Um, So tell me a little bit about like your journey of, because you were raised similarly to me in the church, right? Um, Like what was your journey with exploring these things? And did you feel guilty at first? Or were you just kind of like, through it, like, I'm going to try this stuff. I don't know, just curious, like, how you got involved with all of these things in the first place, coming from your background. Absolutely. So my story was that I began practicing yoga and Reiki to deal with developmental trauma. And at that time, there was a yoga therapist living in the small town. I grew up in here in Plainview, who was immensely helpful. And she was very concerned about making sure these practices stayed within the confines of my faith. And she did a great job with that. My pastors were very concerned. My friends and youth group were very concerned. And so I would meet with these 
pastors uh, from two different churches that I was a part of to justify my choices, which is what Christians used to have to do. They'd have to justify their decisions to practice yoga and Reiki. And I was also frustrated because in the yoga and Reiki worlds, I never received an adequate answer to provide these pastors because their concerns were really legitimate. There were Hindu and Buddhist adaptions in the practices that were concerning. And so that's what the research and the 12 years of study were really helpful in navigating was providing a real answer that got to the bottom of things instead of these sort of mm, everyone's concerned, even folks on the Hindu nationalist side are concerned that Christians are misusing these practices. And so it gave me a lot of peace of mind. And I also eventually was really grateful to those pastors who were looking out for me, even when sometimes perhaps it was a little hurtful how they went about their care and concern. Yeah, that that makes sense. So you just mentioned something really interesting. What would you say to people on the other side of it, um, yoga teachers or um, like yoga instructors that are actually from India? I, I don't know that much about the history of of yoga, but I believe it originates in India. Is that right? It's a Hindu practice. So they might say, well, it's not really yoga if you take out the spiritual aspects from our faith. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that that's a great question. And I'm going to stop you there real quick because that's, that's what I was trying to get to the bottom of exactly was, are we trying to take something like Christian communion, like as an example, and then translated elsewhere. And what the research showed was that yoga actually originated within the Vedas, which later became Hinduism. And there's controversy there, but yoga as it evolved over the years, specifically in the past couple hundred years, it was proselytized to the West as Christian adaptable. There were 30 modern yogis that brought it specifically to America and it experienced a lot of Christian resistance. And they kept saying yoga is not a religion. Yoga is not a religion. Reiki is not a religion. Reiki went through some similar concerns and Christians accepted that. Not all of them. There certainly was resistance, but that was like, all right, if, if I can be a Christian and practice this, I will fast forward. What we're dealing with is two separate issues. There's the issue of cultural appropriation, which absolutely we need to be having conversations with and be respectful of. The issue I'm concerned about is religious appropriation, because what they're saying is that Christians are the only one guilty of appropriation. And that's where I disagree. Ultimately, when we get to the bottom of this very confusion, confusing origins debate, the issue is meditation, because yoga claims to be for preparing the body to sit in meditation. And so that's what this study really was diving into was can Christians meditate? Because yoga is a very confusing word. And even postures were actually not used in yoga until about 200 years ago. So this is a new definition that we've run into. And I'm, I'm very sure that Christians can practice meditation. The poses that we do in yoga class, those are relatively new in the timeline of yeah. yoga. Mm -hmm. huh. 
Did not know that. Yeah, it's an ancient meditative science is what it is. And we need to respect it. We need to respect the cultural concerns, especially for those of us who are white and and guilty of all sorts of X, Y, and Z. And at the same time, there's a fine line there between the cultural problem and mm. saying that Christians are the only ones guilty of appropriation when yoga has been Buddhist adapted, it's been Jain adapted, and it has been Christian adapted for many years. Well, and it's just been commercialized too by so many different groups or like um, different, I, I'm thinking of that, the leader who ended up, I think he went to jail or something for like, um, oh my gosh, you know what I'm talking about? He, he quote unquote, like invented this hot yoga, Bikram, Bikram. yoga. Yes. Yes. So that happened a <laughs> yeah. lot actually, where there were, there, he was one of these 30 modern yogis who brought this to America. And what people don't realize when they accuse Christians of appropriating it is that it was proselytized to Christians as not a religion. And so that's where to now turn around and say, no, actually, Christians, you're the only ones we're concerned about here and none of the other religions. That's where we got to pick one here. Either it's Christian adaptable or it's not. But then we really need to be calling it Hinduism instead of yoga. Yoga, if its goal is to have people sit in meditation, meditation is a tool that can be used or misused that belongs to no one religion, just like prayer can be practiced by people of any religion. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So what other, aside from yoga, and you mentioned Reiki, um, which can you just kind of define Reiki? I, I'm i not super familiar with it, and I don't know if listeners will be either. Sure. So Reiki is a hands-on healing technique that uses the manipulation of subtle energy to heal. And it's very similar to the laying on of hands that Jesus did when the woman with the bleeding problem reached out and touched the hem of his garment. So the Greek word used there is dunamis. And that power is that actually translates into energy. And that's the energy that Reiki practitioners are working with. Nowadays, Reiki has shifted from a focus on laying on of hands to being more of a meditative practice as well. And so I like to view yoga and Reiki as like, two sides of the same coin. They're both interested in manipulating the subtle energy body and healing that. And that's something Christians don't like to hear is that we could have the breath of life, that which animates us. It's simply that which makes us different than a corpse. And that is neither Christian or non-Christian. And that's why Reiki practitioners can be helpful in, in healing and yoga can be practiced, there's a common grace available to humanity that that God has available, regardless of whether those people are decidedly Christian. And so that's why I do believe that although some people can opt for Christian-sensitive practices, for example, healing touch spiritual ministry would be an example of a Christian-sensitive version of Reiki, I believe that there's enough biblical evidence to support the adaption of Reiki itself. So do you distinguish between Christian sen- a Christian-sensitive version of something versus fully practicing whatever that is? I distinguish it in the sense that a Christian-sensitive practice would be something like the Jesus Prayer. That is a meditative practice that has been within the Christian tradition the whole time. At the same time, there were originally, back in the day, people who were adapting 
meditation to Christian worldview. It's just been happening a lot longer. So that would be an example of within Healing Touch Spiritual Ministry, what they've done is they basically just done a really good job adapting it, adapting Reiki. And so I would consider a Christian sensitive as opposed to a Reiki practitioner who practices Reiki as is through the International Center for Reiki Training or something similar and adapts it, or a yoga teacher who practices through Yoga Alliance or the International Association of Yoga Therapists and uses yoga, calls it yoga, and yet is a Christian adapting those practices. Okay, got it. That's so cool. I, When you went into this, are there other people focused on this area that you could kind of look to? Like, are there books or are you... Would you consider yourself a pioneer in this area of study in this topic? A little of both. So there were, what I found in the research, I was actually really encouraged by. There was Ford and Garzone and a few, a few thought a NAB is the other, the last names of a few of the main researchers who have been studying specifically Christian meditation. They were the ones that were like, wait a minute. Meditation is proving helpful in the third wave of behavioral therapy. And so they wanted to get to the bottom of, well, wait a minute, though. These are Buddhist and Hindu adaptations of meditation, mindfulness and whatnot. And so that was really encouraging. And they they were very helpful in the studies. And they yet they were coming from a different place than I was. They are clinicians. They are psychotherapists. They are uh, psychiatrists who their job full-time is research in academia and publishing literature. And so I have a lot of respect for that, but none of them were yoga and Reiki teachers who were working on the practitioner level. And so that was different. And then there was a separate conversation I found in the literature with the main two people who are leading that conversation. Uh, one's last name is Brown and the other last name, let me think of what her last name is real quick. Uh, but but these two authors were really the only ones having the Christian yoga conversation and trying to get to the bottom of this mm-hmm. back and forth about sometimes it's not a religion and then when Christians do it, now it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, I can definitely think of um, just a lot of people in my family or community that this this idea would just be really mind blowing to them, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think that your perspective is that these are really helpful techniques, methods, modalities, whatever, for helping people work through trauma. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of clients you work with? Like what types of trauma specifically, if there are any, that you've seen this, you know, particularly helpful for? Like, what are the applications that, you know, make you really feel like this is so, so needed in the way that we help people through trauma and just through life? Absolutely. So my passion has been for those who suffer from something called complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And that was my focus in the research was, there was this evidence in the research that 
alternative medicine was proving incredibly helpful in healing trauma. That's the third and fourth waves of behavioral therapy, the introduction of these Eastern practices into the clinical process. Then what I was noticing was that there was a separate conversation regarding the development of complex PTSD that was focused on healing family trauma. And that's what was really exciting to me. And what I focused the most of the study in terms of the literature review actually was on this issue of family trauma. So those who have experienced relational and attachment trauma, the type of trauma that comes from dealing with with family issues, whether that's as an adult in marriage or as a child with a parent that suffers from mental illness or whatever the case is, a parent with it who has an addiction, that these types of traumas, the research is, is showing, respond much better to a combination of both talk-oriented therapies like psychotherapy and what they call bottom-up interventions. Those would be things like yoga and meditation. And when one combines those, the top-down and bottom-up approach, it helps the nervous system chaos stop, more so than just allopathic treatments or just psychopharmacology alone. And that was my journey, was healing using these methods and helping people throughout the years who would come to me in my life who are dealing with something similar, specifically in their family systems. And so that's something that I found really exciting was that meditation especially has a lot of implications for pastoral counselors, Christian counselors, and for healing ministers who might not have clinical credentials and yet have a heart for healing and for helping others who are suffering from this specific type of trauma. Well, you're touching on something, too, that has been a theme from my perspective with, like, evangelical Christianity and the way that I was raised, the context was that the the um, the spirit and the body are separate because our, like, our Christian teaching is kind of the flesh is bad, um, the body is bad, and so we, like... Um, we separate ourselves and we separate like our mind and our spirit from the body. And just that in general, I think has been a hard pill for the Christian community to swallow in recent years is that like, there is a connection between (laughs) the body and the spirit and you have to nurture both and you have to heal both to really work through things and heal trauma and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's awesome. And it's something that for like you and I seems so obvious, but for a lot of the Christian community, it's just not part of the teaching. Yeah. And what I really enjoyed about our journey was that you and I met at a time in my life where I was coming full circle because there was a church who had taken the time to create a safe enough environment for spiritual seekers such as myself to come and be in Christian community. And that's something that I've noticed is that within the fundamentalist movement, there is very little tolerance for for an ability to agree to disagree about some of this stuff. And so I'm I'm really grateful for you in my life and the conversations we've had over the years about this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, me too. I think it's been so great. And 
I'm just really drawn to your work because um, I think it's so cool and so important. And obviously, I really believe that, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm on a different mission from you. I'm not interested in like going back into Christianity and trying to help or teach uh, people. Um, so I think it's very noble of you to, to have that calling and to be doing that because um, it really is like bringing healing. And it's scary going back when you've had trauma and you've been burned by fundamentalist Christians, um, by people in your past or whatever, to go back in there vulnerable saying like, this is my work, you know, and then getting so much criticism. So what does that feel like? And just even just moving from California back to, I hope it's not offensive for me to call Minnesota the Midwest. No, not at all. Not at all. We are absolutely the Midwest. <laughs> Sometimes people call Colorado the Midwest where I'm from and I'm like, no, it's not. No, we are absolutely the Midwest here. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you shared a little bit with me about just how part of your, not part of your ministry, maybe, maybe part of your ministry is just kind of countering this constant, like, criticism, and that's got to be really tough. Like, you have to be strong to handle that on a daily basis, so what's that like? That has been the past couple of months for me, absolutely. So I have had folks, uh, specifically on social media, who have accused me of not reading my Bible, who have told me that I'm not saved, who have made all sorts of just negative things about what I'm doing. And I've really been able to come to peace with that because of all the education that I've had that, yes, at the end of the day, my perspective is just my perspective. And I want to avoid being too self-important about that. And at the same time, this is my research expertise. And so I can sort of rest easy with that now being able to sleep at night that like, yeah, this is going to be great for some people and not for others. And the other neat thing has been really being able to get to a place of forgiveness towards not just one or two people on my path who've given me a hard time, but the over and over again, sort of having this experience from the heresy hunters of, of negativity towards what I'm doing and being able to to come to a place of grace and forgiveness for them and also eventually a place of gratitude. Um, I really, at the end of the day, appreciate what they were trying to do, even when it sometimes was hurtful how they went about it. And so that's why I think I've been able to come full circle with, with ministering to Christians as well and that being a big part of what I'm doing. And at the same time, Plainview has really changed in the past 15 years. And that's what I'm learning too, is that there's a lot of this same spirit on social media, specifically with the conversion of this one main new age author. She has been unhappy with what I've been posting. My biggest uh, negativity, thanks. but for the most part in the small town itself, like you said, yoga has become a lot more mainstream. Reiki's become more mainstream. So thankfully a little bit of that negativity has subsided. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. I was going to ask if those were people you know, like on social media, if you're getting, you know, just random anonymous, like mainly, hate or mainly the people from the hashtags who are finding me that are that are way more on the. There's there's a movement going on in social media that 
it's basically these people who were in the new age for a long time. They were psychics. They were, they were very involved and they've since been saved. And now their ministry has become to sanitize Christianity of anything new age. And my perspective is just a different perspective. It's, Hey, wait a minute. New moons are in the Bible. Crystals are in the Bible. Herbs and incense are in the Bible. Laying on laying on of hands is in the Bible. Let's wait a minute before we debunk everything as demonic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw your post the other day about crystals being in the Bible, and I thought that was so cool. Like, um, yeah, it's just it's it's a different way of interpreting the Bible, like it's there somewhere along the way. The community decided that all of this stuff was bad and it's just, it's not true. It's a form of proof texting to, to build an argument either based on the, the argument of authority, which is some pastor or some former new age teacher has decided that this is their position. And now they're the gatekeepers. And all I'm saying is, this is a perspective that's based on the research and based on the Bible. And it's actually very biblical because the Bible is very supernatural. Yeah, totally. Um, This is something I didn't ask you ahead of time. So I might be throwing you a curveball, but I've been wondering what your take is on astrology. Like, is that something that you have included in your studies Absolutely. So astrology was a big part of my journey because it's actually the sister science of yoga. Yoga, Ayurveda, and astrology are all helping to basically unearth the true self. And in my journey was basically coming full circle that there are some biblical warnings about astrology, but ironically, there are also quite a few passages about it, which Christians are quick to overlook. For example, there's a passage in Job 38 that says, are you aware of how the constellation affect things on the earth? There's other passages that talk about the new moon, not just mention it, but it's actually a really important part of worship in the Old Testament. And that provides me enough biblical proof to be open to it. Specifically, that's how the Magi found Jesus. My concern is following the admonitions in Deuteronomy that explain specifically not to worship the stars or take orders from the stars. That's my Christian conviction, which can be different than other people's conviction, but that's where I've been okay with that. Astrology is a word used in the Bible quite a few times, but it didn't make that list. Fortune telling, witchcraft, these things made that list, but not astrology. And so if the Bible didn't bring it up, Christians are the ones saying that astrology and fortune telling are the same things, but I believe that astrology is a tool that the Lord can use to speak to people and that it can also go overboard as well. Yeah, I think that, um, I totally agree. I, I find astrology just really interesting and I think there's a lot of truth in it, obviously, or wouldn't be so popular. Right. Um, but I remember, I think this was before I even knew you, I was talking to a mutual friend that we have, and somehow we were talking about astrology, and she was like, yeah, Amanda has the perspective that, like, God created 
the the world and the universe with so much order and precision that of course there are patterns. I, this isn't exactly what she said, yeah. but it was something like about like, of course there are patterns. Of course there are mm-hmm. these like threads through the universe that just, that makes sense. You know, like why would we see that as bad or demonic or whatever? It's order, like it's precision um, it's tying pieces of creation together, basically. Um, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's so what I've learned about astrology is that it's really the the psychology of antiquity. Before they had psychology, that's what they used. And the Lord has really used it in my life, especially in getting to the root of the things I was really unwilling to look at. And that's where I think it can be really powerful as it's kind of in that same pool to me as the prophetic, that people who operate in the prophetic and have prophetic words, there's still discernment needed. There's like, I personally only listen to two astrologers when I do listen to astrology, uh, one who's been attuned to Reiki and one who claims to be a Christian. And so those have been my convictions. And at the same time, it has been a hugely powerful tool of self-realization in my life. And it was actually a big part of the work of Carl Jung and how he would work with people in exploring the psyche and getting to the root of a lot of personality stuff, especially. That's awesome. Well, I know I would really love to see more Christian churches adopting these practices, embracing them, um, leveraging them to like really help people heal, not being afraid of them, or even just like the first step learning about them. Mm -hmm. Um, so your work is so cool. I think it's so important. And, um, for those listening, um, Amanda does have a downloadable e-course for ministries or churches to take. Um, can you talk just briefly, maybe a couple minutes about what that's all about, Amanda? Sure. So, The beautiful thing about writing a dissertation is that now you have 220 pages worth of information to share with folks. The hard part about that is it's in the form of a dissertation, which is not exactly the easiest thing to read. And so what I did is I split it up into a couple different chunks. The first is a 30-page summary, basically, of my findings. And the idea of a metasynthesis, the type of research I conducted, is to try to give the reader as much information to arrive at their own conclusions as possible. And that's also really good medicine for fundamentalism is to give people space to come to their own conclusions. And so I have that available on my website, amandabreezeministries.com, download a free 30-page version. And that's also my contribution as a ministry to just try to get this information out. If that's not enough for folks, then I have an e-course, which is an eight-week study of the dissertation findings specifically geared towards those in ministry who want to adopt these practices, Christian alternative medicine practitioners who are very interested in the Christian adaption piece, and anyone else who just wants to use Christian meditation and complementary therapies for healing trauma in greater depth. So amazing. I'm really blown away. Um, wow. this The depth of what you've studied is fascinating. I feel like you have a book here. Oh, thank you, <laughs> That's going to be your next, your next mission. Um, and I know you can do it if anyone can, because you did all of this with a baby <laughs> at home and a teenage son. I did. So it's, 
Yeah. During COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Moving across the country. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're a superstar. Um, Thank you. You are too. So everyone, it's Amanda Breeze. It's B-R-E-E-S. And her website is AmandaBreezeMinistries.com. Amanda, thank you so much for your time. I I love this conversation. And I love you. Love you too. Really happy to have you with, with me here today. Awesome. Thank you very much.